and LCM. It's clearly Wednesday night. It's January 6th. We're in the year 2020. Nope. 2021. Wasn't it a good to have Pastor Slaughter with us here recently? He brought his whole family, a bunch of precious disciples. It's exciting to see the one association starting to come together like that. Then, on Monday night, we were surprised by Pastor Hutchinson and Pastor uh, Schaubert, if we're from Louisiana or Schobert in Texas, and a whole host of other disciples. These are unplanned trips. The body of Christ is beginning to reach out to each other across state lines. That's kind of cool, isn't it? We're in extraordinary times. Yeah. You're, we're going to get into that a little more here in a minute. Mm. Let me just preface our extraordinary times by saying when things go wrong, we're not going with them. We're not going to do it. Look, church, I am grateful to be with men and women of God. When things go wrong, we don't go with them at all. I can't be any more grateful for you, LCM. And here's why. You are a powerful and anointed group of men and women of God. Amen. Look, it's clear why we are gathering the grain of gratefulness in the storehouses of our souls. Look, you even look on the evening news. Uh Uh-oh. And it will indicate our very need to be storehouses of gratefulness. Yeah. It bears witness to it. But here's the encouraging part. Isn't the Lord helping us? Isn't he giving us the right word at the right time? He's helping us be full of gratefulness for a time of famine that is upon us. In fact, that leads us to tonight's sermon title. What is it? It is Joseph's Storehouse, Cultivating Gratefulness. Come on. Not only are we going to be gathering gratefulness, but tonight we're going to learn how to cultivate gratefulness. Look, Woo! we're going to start Cultivate off... me, baby! Come on now, where are you at, Susie? Can you huh? dig it? <laughs> Look, we're going to talk about, through the law, the prophet in the writings. We're going to start here, and we're going to refresh. We're going to reiterate the revelation, the clarity that the Lord has been revealing to us. Let's jump right into Deuteronomy chapter 29, and we're going to look at verse 19. Somebody say cultivate when you get there. Deuteronomy 29 and verse 19. It says this. When such a person hears the words of this oath and they invoke a blessing on themselves. Now that is not a blessing. That is not a blessing. Thinking I will be safe even though I persist in going my own way. They will bring disaster on the watered land as well as the dry. The Lord will never be willing to forgive them. His wrath and zeal will burn against them. All the curses written in this book will fall on them, and the Lord will blot out their names from under heaven. Now, church, we're talking about a verse, and one of the things that stood out is that when they're calling and invoking a blessing on themselves, sounds a very personal thing, but... You've got to understand and not read this in just an individualistic manner. You are actually reading from the constitution of a nation. You're also learning about the constitution of that nation. See, from a national perspective is what this should be read at, that it also applies to the individual, but we're looking at something that God is saying to an entire nation here. Look, when you think through that, and we're not going to go through teach on those linguistics 
It says themselves, plural. It says they, them, names blotted out. That's because he's speaking to everybody all at once about any individual who would do it because it creates national trends. Okay? Speaking of national trends, let's go to the book of Jeremiah. We're going to be in chapter 5. I'm going to be reading from the NASB tonight in honor of my upcoming phone call with Pastor Zeke Lamb. And uh, we'll be in the third verse. And somebody say, cultivate. Cultivate. Oh, Lord, do not your eyes look for truth. You have smitten them, but they did not weaken. You have consumed them, but they refused to take correction. They have made their faces harder than a rock. They have refused to repent. Then I said, they are only the poor. They are foolish. They do not know the way of the Lord or the ordinances of their God. I will go to the great and I will speak to them. For they know the way of the Lord and the ordinances of their God. But they too, with one accord, have broken the yoke and burst the bonds. Somebody say that's bad. That's bad. Therefore, a lion from the forest will slay them. A wolf of the deserts will destroy them. A leopard is watching their cities. Everyone who goes out of them will be torn to pieces. Because their transgressions are many, their apostasies are numerous. Much like Deuteronomy, Jeremiah was addressing an entire nation. That's why it says their cities will be destroyed. Jeremiah is addressing an entire nation, and it ranges from the poorest to the privileged, entrenched leadership. And they were destined for judgment. And Jeremiah says it's because of their numerous apostasies. In Deuteronomy and in Jeremiah, an entire nation is being addressed for the same reasons. Let's turn to 2 Chronicles and see in the writings also something that is addressing an entire nation. 2 Chronicles chapter 36, say cultivate whenever you get there. Verse 15. The Lord, the God of their ancestors, sent word to them through his messengers again and again because he had pity on his people and on his dwelling place. But they mocked God's messengers, despised his words, and scoffed at his prophets until the wrath of the Lord was aroused against his people. And there was no remedy. Look, Ezra is commenting on the state of an entire nation that claimed to love the Lord. And that entire nation that claimed to love the Lord, they were the ones that were mocking, despising, and scoffing at the things of God. And God's judgment for them, it had absolutely no remedy whatsoever. Church, amen. We're going to get it, aren't we? Come on now. Look. We want you to understand, don't, don't get distracted by microphones that aren't working, because we have something for you tonight. We actually are going to summarize the law, prophets, and writings that we just read through in a singular slide on the screen, and we want you to see something here. We're talking about warnings to an entire nation. Deuteronomy 29.20, we talked about invoking a blessing even though you persist in going your own way. 
That is a surefire way to bring judgment upon a nation. And that's what's happening there in Deuteronomy. In Jeremiah, we recap the apostasies that are numerous, even at the highest levels of leadership. In Chronicles, what we learned was that lives that mock God's message in a constant way, there's no remedy for the judgment that is going to come upon them. You can see this in the law, in the prophets, and in the writings, that there's judgment and because they are failing to heed the warnings that are given in an entirely nationalistic sense. Now, the reason that we put those on a slide and we started the message, that should be a recap for everybody here. We've been discussing these for weeks but it's becoming clearer and clearer on your news apps everywhere we are that what we're saying is true. It would be easy for the critics or critical among us to think that we were simply being apocalyptic or alarmist, that we were interpreting Bible prophecy based on the latest newspaper headline. But the truth is, as God began to warn us before the newspaper headline said these things, now, I want to assure you, that we didn't come to these positions quickly or easily. We've been wrestling with them for months, if not years. The Word and the Spirit have given us clarity for our times, and it's important that you pick up the same clarity. Boy, it is. Look, talk about clarity. We want to show you some news headlines since our sermon on Sunday. These are just a few representatives of what's out there, not the avalanche that's available for you. So let's go ahead and play the video that we have. Let's pray. Eternal God, noiselessly, we bow before your throne of grace as we leave behind the politically and socially clamorous year of 2020. We gather now in this consequential chamber to inaugurate another chapter in our roller coaster representative government. The members of this august body acknowledge your sacred supremacy and therefore confess that without your favor and forbearance, we enter this new year relying dangerously on our own fallible nature. God, at a moment when many believe that the bright light of democracy is beginning to dim, empower us with an extra dose of commitment to its principles. May we of the 117th Congress refuel the lamp of liberty so brimful that generations unborn will witness its undying flame. And may we model community healing, control our tribal tendencies, and quicken our spirit that we may feel thy priestly presence even in moments of heightened disagreement. May we so feel your presence that our service here may not be soiled by any utterances or acts unworthy of this high office. Insert in our spirit a light so bright that we can see ourselves in our politics as we really are, soiled by selfishness, perverted by prejudice, and inveigled by ideology. Now may the God who created the world and everything in it bless us and keep us. May the Lord make his face to shine upon us and be gracious unto us. May the Lord lift up the light of his countenance upon us and give us peace. Peace in our families, peace across this land. And dare I ask, O oh Lord, peace even in this chamber, now and evermore.
We ask it in the name of the monotheistic God, Brahma, and God known by many names, by many different faiths. A man and a woman. The representatives. So this took place Sunday at 1245 as we were concluding our service. This is what happened and is happening in our country. See, the media has focused on the closing, the amen and a woman comment from Representative Emmanuel Cleaver. I won't talk about which college he came from. Okay. It was before the revival that that's, produced that's right. you guys. To not embarrass Assad or Bim or Justin, we won't mention the college that he came from. I think it's mostly due to the colors being similar to LSU that that's, caused that's the decline of the, the yeah. decline that was there. Yeah, we have an unprecedented and an astounding display of moronic ignorance of what the word amen actually means. You mean it doesn't mean a male? No, it does not, surprisingly. What? Hmm. It's based in the Hebrew for so be it. But we're going to make our statements here. See, the problem is, is there's an attempt by this representative, a former Methodist pastor, an attempt to make a commentary on some type of gender confusion and lay it at the feet of prayer. See, after this prayer, by the way, it, it's almost like, but wait, there's more. After the prayer, in the House of Representatives, the House that are supposed to represent us, as a matter of fact, one of the monikers for the House of Representatives, it's called the People's House. They set forth rules for this session. The Speaker of the House began to attack terms such as father, mother, son, daughter, as being historically discriminatory terms that are reinforcing the narrative that the Judeo-Christian view of shalom is inherently evil, fraught with systematic racism and misogyny. That's what happened after the prayer concluded. See, the popularity of these kind of views is because that we have lost perspective on the uniqueness of our God in our actual land. You know, I don't know, uh, I was watching your faces, I was curious what would happen, <laughs> and you know, I think you were kind of with him for a little while, like, he, he was saying some stuff that sounds, I mean, so similar to the things that we might say for a little while. Yeah, you're looking at what it looks like to be a false prophet. All of the right terminology... All of the right verbiage. Let, let, me, let me focus in on some things that I found egregious. Not, not with the man, with the society that has allowed and propagated this kind of man. See, the thing that I found most egregious is the man that is praying is both a United Methodist ordained minister of decades and an elected member of the House of Representatives. And did you catch that he prayed to the monotheistic god Brahma, known by many names and many faiths. The news media didn't pick up on that at all. No. Nobody's been talking about that at all. They're concerned with a man and a woman, which was absurdly ridiculous. 
Did you miss the fact that he's praying to a Hindu God? Let me show you that Hindu God. Wow. It's cute, huh? You've heard of being two-faced? Well, this is four-faced. Praying to the monotheistic God, Brahma, known by many names in many faiths. Now, Deuteronomy says, in the fifth chapter, you shall have no gods besides me. First Samuel 2 says, there is no one holy like the Lord. No one besides you. There is no God like our God. I've read the writings. I love the Ketuvim. The Psalms are replete with phrases that describe our God as perfection. The most high God. Can I tell you that they are not describing Brahma? Maybe this man has forgotten the fourth chapter of Matthew and the 10th verse. Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. The real problem with the prayer is not its perverse gender neutrality or trying to lay that at the feet of the Lord. The real problem with the prayer is that it's become acceptable from the highest levels of leadership to the ignorant poor at every level of society to equate the Most High God as synonymous, equal, just like every other God. We've done it in AA to your higher power. We've done it everywhere. And it is a great offense to the one unique supreme God of Israel. And that happened in the highest chamber in this country. And it's not anywhere near the first time. Look, I can't but think of exactly what that highest level, that chamber is is titled. It's the House of Representatives. It's the people's representatives. That that is a representation of exactly what our nation desires and the way that they view God. That also brings to mind something else. Do you remember what happens when there's a break in relationship between man and God? There's an immediate violence from men to men. Think of Genesis chapter 3 and chapter 4. Well, the video that we saw was from Sunday at 1245. I want to show you a picture of something that we grabbed from the internet just hours ago it was posted. Just before you walked in the building. So this is the scene hours before you walked into the building that there, were, uh, uh, there was an intrusion into the rotundra of the Capitol Hill. You know that big round part that we see as the iconic symbol of Washington, D.C.? He had intruders, and here we have Secret Service members having fired shots through a glass window to stop it. Let's look at the next picture. It's a different angle. You can get a better idea. You see where the glass is broken? There's other pictures that show a man's face right on the other side of that glass. There now is a visible display of violence from man to man, and it's as a reflection of a breakdown between man and God. 
We want you to know, look, when you treat the Most High like any other God and you view biblical values as inherently evil or discriminatory, how can days not turn dark? Of course they will. Yes, it's a certainty. The pictures that we just saw, have you ever seen anything like this in your lifetime? I mean, this is the stuff that you see on 24. Yeah, I was waiting for Jack Bauer to come. <laughs> exactly. This is what movies are made of, and this is what happened hours before you walked into this building. It's not a third world dictatorship yet, but we are having actual gunfights in our legislative assembly. I mean, come on. Look, some would say, look, we, we need a revolution. The more sobering thought is that God may be allowing us to head towards one. Whatever your thoughts are on the subject, what we're saying is that we need repentance. Oh, amen. amen. We need repentance. Amen. We need repentance with God's, uh, I'm sorry, we need to agree with God's justice and stand for him in these dark days of delusion. Look, Republicans, Democrats, they'll all take varying positions as they always do. Probably whichever pays the most. Yes, has the most notoriety for them. But it is clear to us that the only system fraught with systematic and inherent evils is our government in its present state of decline. And we are the ones that have created, voted, and even propagated it. Are you catching what we're saying? That these are the representatives that the people of our country have intentionally, willfully chosen to represent us. See? Majority in the House, majority in the Senate, got a White House. House. We can no longer act like this is some fringe minority. Uh, It's not. It's a representative government. Well, who do they represent? We, the people, how can God not judge a nation like this? Church, what we're trying to do tonight is give a clarion call for you that it's time that we stand with God's word and God's spirit. Yeah. See, we know yes. what, we must, what must take place inside of us and what we must do. Think about the previous two sermons that we've shared together, that we've preached to you here. We talked about no remedy. There is no remedy for the judgment is, that's coming But there's also no remedy for God's people who are completely in agreement with God's word and his spirit. And then on Sunday, we talked about Joseph's storehouse of where we're gathering gratefulness. I want want you to look at a a passage of scripture with me. Turn to Matthew chapter 12, and we're going to look at verse 33. Somebody say cultivate when you get there. Matthew 12. You're going to want to turn here. Everybody in the room. Matthew 12 and verse 33. Say cultivate when you get there. Cultivate. Say cultivate just because it's fun. Cultivate. If you're married, say cultivate me. Cultivate, cultivate me. Oh, see, this is going to get right. <laughs> right. It says this in verse 33. Make a tree good and its fruit will be good. Or make a tree bad and its fruit will be bad. For a tree is recognized by its fruit. Hmm. You brood of vipers, how can you who are evil say anything good? For the mouth speaks what the heart is actually full of. Wow. Oh, I didn't really mean that. Yes, you did. You're just full of it. (laughs) 
Verse 35 says, a good man brings good things out of the good stored up in him. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in him. See, if we took up arms in revolution today, we would just replace one bad government with another. It's true. The issue isn't the form of government that right. we have. The issue is the condition of our tree. Yes. yes. The good or evil that is brought forth is a direct product of what is in your storehouse. That tree being good or evil is a direct product of that. The famine, the difficulties that are around only provides you with the opportunity to take an actual inventory of what is in your storehouse. Come on. Look, the reason the Spirit has been pointing us towards these things and we're starting to work at them, even at the, the expense of maybe sounding redundant, is these times are definitely going to reveal what is in the storehouse of every man yeah. or every Woman. <laughs> Remember, a key point from Sunday's message on gathering gratefulness was not just that God or, uh, or Jesus was a good storehouse. That was not the point. The point was that you had been given seed as you surrendered all, and you become a storehouse. He gives us the bread broken in thankfulness and tells us to give it to the people. Yeah. Look, we're now going to go to the Gospel of Luke to see how the Christian cultivates, somebody say cultivate, cultivate, and responds to our present climate. Amen? Amen. Luke chapter 8, verse 11, say, cultivate when you get there. Cultivate. Yeah, I'm going to wait on all of you. I'd like to hear all the accents. Marlon, are you there? Oh, yeah. Assad, are you there? Ibrahim, can you say it in Arabic for me? Oh, he'd been out of Egypt too long. Come on, Eben. Oh, well, we're just going to wait. He's <laughs> called my bluff. Look. Oh, there we go. There we go. Luke 8, 11. This is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of God. Yes. Those along the path are the ones who hear. And then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. Those on the rocky ground are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it. But they have no root. They believe for a while. But in the time of testing, they fall away. The seed that fell among thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures, and they do not mature. But the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word. Somebody say, hear it. Hear, hear it. it. Retain it. Say, retain it. Retain it. And by persevering, say, persevere. Persevere. Produce a crop. Look, in this parable, the seed is the unchanging and perfect word of God. There is no variation in it. There is no changing of it. 
there is no adaptation that it must make. It is not flawed. It never will be flawed. The conditions that Jesus goes on to describe in this parable have to do with the condition of every heart, hear this, within the believing community. If you've been tempted to categorize these as lost or saved, you are missing something. Everyone listening to this parable believed themselves to be saved. And I'm going to suggest to you that in every heart in this room, you will find every kind of soil. Aren't you grateful that God is cultivating our hearts? Look, we've been talking a lot about gratitude. You guys have heard it. You've even received it. But if you don't cultivate the word that is given to us by God, the enemy will then steal it. If you do not cultivate it, it, if it doesn't get rooted down in you in a time of famine, you will fall away. Look, to be completely honest, if worries, riches, pleasures are growing right alongside the word we're giving you, there's no way you will be mature enough to make it through the famine that is. Come on, somebody say thank you, Pastor. Thank you, Pastor. This is a word that's designed to help us. And, and while we're at it, I, I got to tell you something. I know I sometimes start a service by saying this, but I haven't said it in a while to you. But man, I love my church. I love my church. See, in this house, at this LCM, house. we know that the seed is unchanging. Somebody say unchanging. Unchanging. It's flawless. Say flawless. Flawless. Say powerful. 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 See, we're going to cultivate the soil of yes. our heart because we, here in this house, we hear it. We retain it. We persevere in it so that we can produce a crop, a harvest of the Lord, many-fold from what we have personally received. Amen. See, we want to give you some markers at this time. Yeah. Markers. Some like measures. markers? Oh, well, measures. Measuring tools. Oh, I got it. Some mile markers for you to help you determine how full your storehouse is or is not. Mm. See, I'm saying that we're giving them to you. But the truth is, is they're actually coming directly from those unchanging, unending, Im those perfect and flawless words of Jesus Christ himself. Amen. Wow, you mean in this parable there are mile markers for how you are doing with filling your storehouse with gratefulness, with the eternal seed of God's word. Well, let's ask, were you grateful for something like a spouse? Were you grateful when you received a child? Hmm. How about a job? Were you grateful when you received your job? Yeah. How about this church? Were you grateful when you came to this church? Yeah. You see how I put all those in the past tense? Were you grateful when you received your spouse? Were you grateful when you received your uh -oh. child? Were you oh, yeah. grateful uh -oh. when you yeah. first got your job? Were you grateful when you came to this church? Because if you were grateful at an earlier time... And now you don't find yourself so grateful for any one of those things. Then let me tell you, according to Jesus, what has happened. You heard about the goodness of God, but the devil came and took your gratefulness away. This would mean you, not somebody else, have hard soil in your heart. 
and it must be cultivated to survive in the dark days of famine that have come upon us. If you were more grateful for anything that I mentioned when they first happened than you are right now, you have walked on the soil of your heart and created a hard path. And it has to be cultivated. It does. Oh man, doesn't that mile marker cultivate your heart? I want to give you another mile marker. I want to ask you, were you grateful for something like a teaching where you sat in, you receive this divine understanding of something in the Word? Y'all used to bring it, man. When I first got here, y'all preached so good. Teaching was like no other. You were sharing all the sermons with all your family members and friends. I mean, were you grateful for even the revelation that came from it? I mean, eye-opening revelation, transformed and changed my entire life kind of revelation. Man, I never saw a church where everybody lives like that. Grateful for that way of life that you've been attached to. It's actually saved your life. And you told that testimony time and time again. But all that being at an earlier time. But are you... I mean, it's good and all. I mean, it, I, I don't deny it's a good church. It's just not, you know, I mean, it's not doing it for me the same way it used to. I, I know your marriage teaching really impacted mm. me the first time that I heard it. But, oh, yeah. you know, gotta... y'all are doing it again. I've already been through it a couple of times. I, I mean, know? I have the book in my attic. <laughs> I keep the Abigail and the ball card in the back seat of my car. Did you say that you lost the Nabals? I didn't, but I know some people that have. The whole point is, what happened to your joy? What happened to the joy that's supposed to be there when you're receiving this teaching, this revelation, and this way of life? Look, we want to make something clear to you. See, back then, you received and even displayed joy, but failed to root it in the soil of your heart And the testing of circumstance, the testing of correction or implementation have caused your gratefulness to fall away. You have rocky soil that must be cultivated to survive these dark days of famine. All right. Ladies, look at your husbands right now. I'm looking at you, Miss Susan. I'm looking at you, Jen. I'm looking at you, Joe. Say, cultivate me. One clear sign of a rock that got somewhere in the soil is what you thought would make you happy ceases to keep you happy. If I could just have a kid, God, why won't you give me a kid? And then you have a kid and you're not happy that you haven't had your next one yet or your third or I don't know, somebody on Facebook's kids look happier than your kids. Okay. This is a sign of a problem in our hearts. Now, why are we telling this community this? Oh, we love our church. We love our, we're cultivating you. But you must cultivate each other, and you must cultivate the soil of your own heart. Amen. Come on, this should be bringing gratefulness to your very soul right now. Amen. See, it's one thing for us to talk about you gathering up gratefulness. No one in the room disagrees with that. We're talking to you tonight about cultivating that gratefulness. Yeah. 
See, where you can realize where you have lost the gratefulness that God is wanting you to walk in for you to become a storehouse of. Let, let's talk about more about gratefulness. Yeah. Were you grateful for something? Maybe like an ability to give to the house of the Lord. Oh, Maybe like when you were looking and there was a sacrifice that was required to be obedient unto the Lord. It cost you something. It was painful to you and you loved it. You were grateful that you were able to give in the midst of sacrifice. What about were you grateful when you had trust grounded missions around the world? Have you been more grateful at an earlier time than you are now? I remember zero faith, Pastor. Yeah. Woo! Come on. I zeroed out my accounts. Are you still just as grateful to be able to give everything that the Lord is requiring of you in an ever-increasing fashion? My goodness, this is Joseph's storehouse all over. Yeah. We gave all the money. We gave all the livestock. Now all we have left is ourselves and our generations. See, if you have at once been more grateful than you are now, then you've allowed your gratefulness to be choked out by worries, by riches, or by pleasures. That's what the Word of God says. See, you've allowed a thorn-filled soil that you have to cultivate. You have to get rid of those thorny areas in your life so that you can survive in these dark days of famine. Yeah. Look, it's, it's some of you are happy, some of you are tense, a couple of you are offended. That's okay. I've been doing this a long time. I'll be doing it a long time into the future. Amen. The whole point here is it's easy to gather things that you're grateful for. But do you stay grateful for what he's given you? See, I love, I love a new car, right? But after six months, it doesn't feel the same as it did. It's still the same car. What happens when you wash that thing, when you wax it, when you spend a little time investing in it? It comes to life again. Yeah, it does. Okay. We're going to have to cultivate the things that God has brought into our storehouse or bad things grow in your heart. We're hoping to protect you. We've watched more than one person through the years receive extraordinary blessings from God, and they didn't end up blessed by God into the future. The very thing that they received either became idolatrous or discarded as if God had never done anything for them. It is so, look, how many of you have had a miracle somewhere in your children's life while in this church? Raise your hands. Look around. Everybody get them up. Okay, this is, this is important. Look around. How dare anybody say this house does not have miracles? Are you, are you kidding me? You know what's happening? Gratefulness is being stolen from you. And the thing that that does is it steals your productivity in the kingdom. I've lived long enough to see so many people say, I never want to be like my parent and grow to turn exactly into the disease that their parent was. I don't want that in here. I'm willing to fight for you, fight with you. I'm willing to do it publicly, privately, any way that it works. Because I know what cultivation produces in me, and I know what it will produce in you. I, it's also incredibly important in this time we get it right, amen. right? Amen. I know the treasers are cultivating gratefulness, yeah, are, aren't yeah. you? Give me a big amen, Ella. Amen. amen. 
See, everyone in the believing community would like to say that their soil is noble and good. Because we reduce these to categories, like I'm saved, so it's noble and good. But when you pray through the tabernacle, you know it's not. See, and if it were true, if every heart in here, including my own diseased heart, were good and noble, then where is the 30, 60, and 100-fold crop? See, the very things that Jesus says are holding us back are our inability to cultivate gratefulness in our own hearts. That's what this parable reveals to me this week. Next week, we'll find another one that God has blessed us with. If you are not happy with the work product of your life, it is probably because you took in seed but did not cultivate the soil for it to grow in. I'm just going to throw out one more sign here. I will be happy when. No, you won't because you've never been happy until now. Okay, this is really important. I am fine. I'm looking at little Randy back there smiling, nodding her head up and down. This woman's been cultivating her heart. In the most difficult of times, she's overflowing with supernatural power of God. Now, she's not perfect, and we're not going to put that burden on her. But certainly, it's a supernatural message from God that you can do it. Okay? I've been asking you to say cultivate. I've been asking you to look at each other and say, cultivate me. Will anybody raise two hands to heaven and ask the Lord to help them cultivate their hearts? We're going to have to cultivate our soil in these dark days to produce the crop that God wants. It's more important now than it has ever been that we do so. Father God, we are asking your spirit of holiness to help us, to free us. Mighty God, that you would root into us the right principles of the word and circumcise away from us these sinful inhibitions. Mighty God, we thank you for this opportunity to have our hearts cultivated by your word and by your spirit. We say lead us into your truth. Lead us into holiness that we may please you in every way. And that what comes out of our hearts is something, is a crop that you desire, a 30, 60, and 100 fold. May your righteousness reign and your holiness be displayed through our lives. Come on now, if you have the faith to believe that, somebody say amen in this house. Amen. Look, we want to bring you back to understanding our day and time. And that is we have a representative government. One that most of us are disgusted with. But remember, it is called representative government because it represent, is representative of you. When I think about the position our nation is in and our church is in, I'm convinced that we are living in the days of Jeremiah. Amen. So turn with me to Jeremiah chapter 2 and say cultivate whenever you get there. When you find chapter 2, land on verse 11. There we go. Say it even. Amen. Jeremiah 2.11. Has a nation ever changed its gods? Yet, they are not gods at all. I don't know. Could you say Brahma? I'm so impressed with what he's done for India. 
Very true. <laughs> In Texas, a Brahma is a cow. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. And yeah, we eat those. I'm not really sorry. No. No, I no. Mean, not even no, no. a little bit. No, no, no. Yes. Not even a little bit. Come on, has a nation ever changed its gods? Yet they're not gods at all. But my people have exchanged their glorious God for worthless idols. Be appalled at this. Wow. Be appalled at this, you heavens, and shudder with great horror, declares the Lord. My people have committed two sins. They have forsaken me, the spring of living water, and have dug their own cisterns, broken cisterns that cannot hold water. This verse is, of course, about Israel, as were our three opening verses. Right before they went into captivity. That should be a very sobering thought in these dark days of our times. Church, did you hear back in verse 11? Has a nation ever exchanged its own gods before? What does that mean? What does that mean? That means they were a group of people who did not retain what the word had said. They heard. They even received. But they didn't retain and therefore they never were able to persevere and never produced a crop. Church, you, you got to let this sink in. Now, I know I've said they. They. You know, they did all this. These verses are, of course, true of Israel. But aren't they even more true of our own country, of America? Yes. Yes. We, the people. See, even more than that, though, can't you realize this evening that you've done the same? That you've heard, that you've received, but there wasn't a perseverance in it. We've allowed the hard soil to allow the enemy to steal your gratefulness. You've allowed the rocky areas in your heart to have the testing make you fall away from gratefulness. We've allowed the competing thorns in our life to choke out our gratefulness. This is such a right word for us. The Lord is encouraging, he's lifting, he's telling us, he's teaching, he's bringing it before us. But what must we do with that? We must hear it. Then we must retain it. Then we must persevere and produce a crop in these dark days of famine. Somebody say amen. amen. Look, uh, Jeremiah, he, he says this in such an interesting way. Uh, if you don't mind, would you put back uh, verse 11? On the screen just so that everybody can be looking at it has a nation ever changed its gods yet they are not gods but my people have exchanged their glorious God for worthless idols and then in verse 12 be appalled at this you know the the question is what should our response be to the things that we're seeing all around us well the scripture tells us be appalled but at whom? The government? You storm the Capitol? The other churches? They already closed their doors. Maybe you could come to those conclusions. But more so, we should be appalled at the condition of our hearts, our own soil. This government represents us. The churches are full of exactly what the people wanted them to be full of. We must cultivate gratefulness regardless of the climate all around us or you'll produce nothing in these days of famine. You understand what's at stake? So, well, I didn't elect those people. I didn't do that. You let society all around you 
go in that direction. You're responsible for everybody that you're in contact with just like I am. It's not somebody else's fault. It's our fault. And if you take a hard look at why that is, it's displayed in our life every day. No matter how many good things God brings you, they only make you happy for a little while and then gratefulness leaks right out of you. Jeremiah said the heavens were appalled. In this church, we agree with God's judgments. We say just and true are your judgments, O Lord. If God is appalled, then so are we, even if it's appalling at our own behavior. In our cultivation, we are returning to something. We're returning to the spring of God that was meant to determine how you feel about any subject regardless of the climate. If the word of God says you're grateful about it, then you're grateful about it. If the word of God says you have it, then you have it. If the word of God says don't think it, then you don't think it. And you are grateful that you have this spring of life that is instructing you in every area. As soon as you let that gratefulness leak out of you, you are causing the heavens to be appalled with your behavior because you're showing disdain for the word that comes from the heavens. Well, I know the word says, but that's appalling, saints. We're going to have to cultivate our heart. I wish I could say some of you were guilty in here. We're all guilty in here. We're going to have to cultivate our hearts. You don't realize where the contaminants are until the dials get turned up some. And then you're going to start that you will either become more and more ungrateful and apostatize yourself or you will cultivate more and more and more and consecrate yourself. In our cultivation, we're returning to the only cistern or system that holds life-giving water. We're going to carve out every hard place. We're going to carve out every rocky place, every thorn-filled place that competes with the fruitful produce that God desires of us and the world so desperately needs from us in these dark days. My God, if you're not happy, if you're not fully satisfied in the kingdom and a church like this, then what hope does somebody else have who is not in these things? See, you're the pillar and the foundation of truth, not some institution somewhere. You, you are what they are looking at. You are the thing that would, you are the one that is to be distinctly different. Some of you might need to stop comparing yourself with the Joneses. Their lives aren't real anyway. And you're taking a very real life that is blessed and treating it as if it's not. Both are fantasies. We're going to have to hear the word. Hear it? We're going to have to hear the word. Are y'all hearing me? You're going to have to hear the word. You're going to have to retain the word. You're going to have to persevere in the word. Persevere. That means you have to fight to retain what God gave you. You're going to have to produce a crop from the word. And you prove it. You prove that that is happening. By being grateful in every area. Regardless of the climate or the circumstance. That's where our church is headed. And that will make you stand out like a star shining in the darkness. Amen. Aren't you grateful to be cultivated? Yes. Look, Paul had a lot to say about the days like these days. He even showed us markers to look for along the way. Really? Paul did? Paul did as well. 
what the hard path would manifest, what the rocky places would bring about, what the thorns would even produce. Turn to Romans chapter 1, verse 28, and say, cultivate real loud for me when you get there. Get it? Wait on them, Pastor. Wait on them. They're getting there. They're working to get up that hill, but they're getting there. Joyce, let me hear it loud. Cultivate. Oh, there we go. I knew that you could use that voice. I knew that I could hear you, even from the back. Susie, we get a cultivate? Oh, yeah. There you go. I was going to call on you, Brenton, but after calling on four women, it felt awkward, you know. Shout cultivate, Brenton. Cultivate. Ah, very manly. I like it. Romans 128. Furthermore, just as they did not think it worthwhile to retain, say retain, retain the knowledge of God. So God gave them over to a depraved mind so that they do what ought not be done. They have become filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed, and depravity. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, and malice. They are gossips, slanderers, God-haters, insolent, arrogant, and boastful. They invent ways of doing evil. They disobey their parents. They have no understanding, no fidelity, no love, no mercy. Although they know God's righteous decree that those who do such things deserve death, they not only continue to do these very things, but also approve of those who practice them. Look, church, this is true of every nation that does not hear, retain, persevere, or produce based on the word of God, regardless of the climate. You may not be able to adjust the climate of your circumstances, but you can certainly practice personal climate control. The kind displayed in gratefulness. This will make you as appalling as an air-conditioned building in the land ravaged by Brahma, known as the land of India. Oh, I find air conditioning in India appealing. Uh, I find Brahma appalling, but I find the air conditioning appealing. I have to be honest with you, as Pastor was reading this passage, I, I kind of forgot exactly who we were talking about. I wasn't sure if we were back to talking about Congress or, or, or what. But what he said is true of every nation, but it's also true of every family. Uh-oh. It's true of every single family. You've got to hear, retain, persevere, and produce your family function according to the Word of God, regardless of the climate. See, what I love about gratefulness is it doesn't require the climate to get better before you're able to produce. If you're looking for the circumstances to change, then you don't yet understand how to cultivate gratefulness in your heart. You may not be able to adjust the climate of your circumstances, but you can certainly practice family cultivation displayed in constant gratefulness. Church, these are the days to teach your family to persevere so that they can produce life in the dark days of famine that we're in. You know, Pastor Wade talked about a family, and Pastor Matt talked about a, a nation. Yeah. It's also true of every person, yeah. every singular life in this room. Every one of us is responsible to hear the word from heaven, to retain the word from heaven, to persevere in the word from heaven. This allows you to produce your mezuzah. 
the reason for which you were born. Amen. Remember how excited you were when the Lord first spoke to you something? Yes. Just because it took a little while, because it's difficult, would you like to modify it now? Are you less grateful for it now? I mean, does it just not, like you need a new word now? Father of our faith had decades in between God speaking to him. But for decades, he kept doing exactly what God last said to him. See, this church is literally based on starting with a singular life that once God has brought you a heavenly seed, you are so grateful for it, you will not let it go even if your own mother and father do. You will not let it go even if your pastor skips out on you. You will not let it go no matter what happens. And that has an effect on a family. That has an effect on a nation. See, it's one thing to gather gratefulness. It's a whole nother to cultivate it. But when you do, when you will not let go of what God has given you and you circumcise your heart and cultivate the soil to the point that you're just as grateful today as you were yesterday and you fight for that every day, you find yourself walking in the reason that you were born. You let some of these weeds, some of these rocks start to grow And you don't even know why you're as unhappy as you are. And you start to look for for the reason everywhere except the one place that is actually the problem. Do you know how I know that for sure? I've watched that in a cycle since the day that I got born again. It's why you cannot be sure when a man says he's in love with the Lord and he'll finish the race. You, you agree something supernatural has happened. You agree that this is the call of God. What you cannot measure is his will to continue to cultivate what God has given him. Okay. You may not be able to adjust the climate of your circumstances, but you can certainly practice the cultivation of your own heart. And that is displayed in gratefulness regardless of what God is doing. Somebody say, cultivate me. Cultivate me. Children, it's not your mama's fault. I've been spanking my grandkids lately. (laughs) They sometimes tried to give me reasons they did what they did. Or say things like, well, uh, you haven't heard my side. You don't get a side. It doesn't matter why you did what you did. It either is or is not right. And all of the opinions, all of the sides, all that does is invite somebody to side against God. It's not your mama's fault, children. It's your heart. That's where it starts. It's not the injustice of a situation. It's not that it's unfair. It's not that one sibling was loved more than you. Your problem is your heart. Mama's. Mama's. It's not your husband's fault. Well, if he just did this, if he did that, no. No matter what he did, because of what is growing in your heart, you'd find something to be unhappy about. Cultivate your heart, and the marriage part will take care of itself. I can assure you that. If you would like, what would happen to you if we agreed with you? You're right. Your husband sucks. What do you want me to do about it now? You're in an eternal covenant. See, if you, if you win that battle, you've actually lost the war. What if you simply cultivated your heart? You might see 
extraordinary things to be grateful for and something for God to build on. Hey, husbands, (laughs) husbands, it's not your pastor's fault. I mean, what do you win if you win that battle? You get to take a bus ticket. I agree with you. We're awful. I mean, I think those two are better than this one. But what do you win if, if, if we just are horrible human beings? What does that do for you? Because God told you to be here. What if instead you cultivated your own heart? What we're trying to do for you is give you a survival skill for the days that are coming. Because I can assure you that the climate, it's outside of your control. But cultivation, it's completely inside your control. We're going to hear. We're going to retain. We're going to persevere. We're going to produce because we are Joseph's storehouse in the days of famine. And it is time to cultivate in this house. Amen. Church, I got some good news for you. Here's the good news that you're going to be grateful, overflowing with gratefulness for. If we cultivate now, it's not too late to produce even during the dark days. Come on. We must begin to cultivate now. Church, some of the finest plants ever grown are grown in the shade of dark Ooh. days. Mm-hmm. Just for yeah. my friends, you could, you could take Turkish tobacco as mm. an instance of that. Mm. Yeah, yes. It produces the sweetest taste. Yeah, it does. And in the ancient times, it was sought all over the world. In the what kind of times? Come on, in the ancient, ancient times. Uh-oh. Church, because we're moving back to ancient paths. Yeah. And we're going to continue to cultivate gratefulness. And God will cultivate productivity in us as we do it. Amen. We're going to be reading from 1 Peter 1.22. We are very close to cultivating a close here. (laughs) All right, young ladies. Which one? Wendy, I haven't heard from you. Yo, cultivate. Oh, Miss Jen, can I hear cultivate? Patricia, how about a cultivate? cultivate? All right, we're starting to get Abby Vincent. Cultivate. Look, we're working our way around the room here. Gabby, I hadn't heard from you in a while. Oh, listen, <laughs> what happened? Lynette, how about a cultivate? cultivate? Oh, there we go. See, as we all start to jump in on this, imagine what happens. Imagine what happens. When everywhere you go, the problem is not your climate. It's not the other person. You're only working the soil of your heart. It would almost be like you'd be so full of the Holy Ghost, you could never be put at a disadvantage. 1 Peter 1.22. Now, (laughs) now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth so that you have a sincere love for each other, Love one another deeply. Hey, what is the sincere love for each other based on? You purifying yourself. You're not going to love anybody else right until you have cultivated your own heart. Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth so that you have a sincere love for each other, love one another deeply from the heart. For you have been born again. Not of perishable seed, but of imperishable. Through the living and enduring word of God. For all people are like grass. 
in all their glory. It's like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall. But the word of the Lord endures forever. Amen. And this is the word that was preached to you. The word of God is imperishable seed. If we cultivate, if we purify, as this passage says, if we cultivate ourselves, we may see all men mowed down like grass all around us. But we will become a life-giving storehouse for the remnant of men who want to be saved. Amen. Amen. Did you hear in this, this verse that the seed of God's word, it is living and it is enduring. Amen. It has not been affected by Jeremiah's dark days, the days described by Paul, or even in our present times. If you cultivate the soil of your heart, you may see men faint like flowers, but you will be a spring, a storehouse of life for the remnant that will be saved. Church, we're here to declare to you that the imperishable, eternal seed of God's word, it endures forever. Amen. See, fields can be burned, flowers can wither. And grass can be cut down. But when a man's heart is cultivated to hear, retain, persevere, and produce a crop, the eternal word of God springs to life regardless of the climate that it's in. Church, you are Joseph's storehouse, yeah. cultivated to bring life to the remnant that will be saved. This, this is the word that has been preached to you even tonight. Look, I'm not saying that we're prophets. I'm simply saying that we've heard from God, and he was right. Yeah. <laughs> Revelation chapter 1 and verse 3 says, Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy. Amen. And blessed are those who hear it and take to heart what is written in it, Come on. because the time is near. Some months ago, the Lord began really dealing with us about being in the days of Jeremiah. And we really would rather be preaching some other message. In fact, Jeremiah spoke about us. <laughs> I'm just going to read you this, then I'll tell you the reference so you're not turning. Hear and pay attention. Do not be arrogant, for the Lord has spoken. Give glory to the Lord your God before, before... He brings the darkness. Before your feet stumble on the darkening hills. You hope for light, but he will turn it to utter darkness and change it to deep gloom. <laughs> I want you to get something here. We would hope for an easy, blessed everything. We would just... Except the Lord clearly displayed to us every sign of judgment has been met and there is no remedy for it. So it caused us to begin to cultivate our own hearts. How many of you have ever said, if the Lord never did another thing for me, but you lied. You lied because you've been ungrateful since you've said it. You've been faithless since he said it. So not only faithless, I'm talking about any faithlessness. 
this church is going to have to cultivate. We're going to have to purify some things because you have the building blocks like a, like a wound spring ready for spiritual kinetic energy to fly out of you. I mean, you've been taught well. You have good foundations in you. But if you don't cultivate and get the rocks out of your heart, if you don't get the weeds, the thorns that are competing, if you don't deal with those things, you'll be like so many who were called but never made it into the few that were chosen to do something for God. The world is going to need lives exactly like yours. It needs it right now. How many people heard the Brahma prayer and just, huh? Wickedness has become so commonplace all around us. You cannot get wrapped up in the petty, small issues in the soil of your heart right now. You have to cut them out. And if you do, well, because you are, the Lord's imperishable seed is going to grow in new ways. See, nothing's ever been wrong with the seed. Say, nothing's been wrong, nothing's been wrong. With, the seed. with the seed. Well, that only leaves one possibility, friends, and it's not your neighbor. It's the soil of your heart. If you are not seeing, let me just pick them out for you, the miracles that you want. Problems with your heart. You're not seeing the effects on your family you would like. Your heart. You're not seeing the fruitfulness. Listen, these are all problems with your heart. Because when a man's heart gets right, when a woman's heart gets right in the presence of God, you see light in his light everywhere. You're the happiest people. You feast on the abundance of his house. This is why anywhere you go in the world where adversity is the highest, the poor are rich in faith, and they are happy. We'll open this altar here in just a minute. When we open the altar, what we're asking you to do is the real work of cultivating your own heart. I'm going to ask you husbands to grow a backbone. Quit asking us to do your job. I'm, I'm a little tired of it. If it takes me to correct your wife, then, well, you need to cultivate your heart. Wives, we're asking you to cultivate the hearts of your children, not just beat them, not just yell at them, not, not just tell them to memorize the scripture. Cultivate them. Everything depends on what starts inside of your heart, but it will affect a whole nation. We got into the situation we're in right now because the generations before us did not do this. And if we want the generations in the future to accomplish God's will, it'll start with what you do. Y'all, please stand to your feet as I pray you do what you must. Mighty God, Lord, we are in desperate need of your work in us. Not just because the times are serious, but because our individual problems are serious. Lord, circumcise out of our soil. Crucify out of this crustiness in us that we might cultivate what you have planted and hear it and retain it and persevere in it. We want you to receive the crop from your plantings inside of us. Come and cultivate us here and now.